Do you like games? Cool. Do you like fantasy football? Well, you're here. Do you like games about fantasy football? Sweet. I have the perfect podcast for you. Dynasty Game Night, hosted by yours truly, Russ Fisher, Matt Price, John Bosch, and Rocky Petrella. We play games about fantasy football. You might learn a little something, but really, we're just here to have fun. So if you like playing a game about a game about a game, then check out Dynasty Game Night, a proud member of the DLF family of podcasts. You're listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast, where there is no off-season. Welcome to another edition of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I'm Dan Myler with Ryan McDowell and Matt Price. Guys, we're recording on Halloween night, so that's exciting. We have some tricks and some treats, but man, there's a lot of disappointments on this Sunday afternoon, Ryan. Yeah, it was mostly uh, it was mostly trick for me today in uh, yeah. in week eight here. Not not too many treats, unfortunately, but uh, yeah, a lot a lot to cover for sure. We saw more more injuries. We saw some quarterback changes. Yeah, it was a pretty wild day, and some some just horrible decision making by co- coaches. But I guess we should get used to that, Matt. It's it happens every single week, and and we shake our heads and say why don't you give it to your best player at the goal line who's getting five yards of carry and they, nah, we'll throw it. You always got to get too cute. You know, you think they would have learned from the the Patriots Seahawks Super Bowl and, and those kind of situations, but still, still making the same mistakes. It's maddening for sure. We got a lot of games to cover. We're going to do what we always do in season, cover every game, all the dynasty reactions, the main things that happened and how we are reacting, fellas. So let's start as we always do with the Thursday night special, probably probably one of the most hyped games of the year, honestly, 7-0 Cardinals, 6-1 Packers, Packers somehow hold on to this one, 24-21, Aaron Rodgers threw a couple of touchdowns, despite not having any of his receivers, Aaron Jones was really good and honestly could have been a lot better had he got that final touchdown, kind of the dagger to seal things at the end of the game. Long story short, guys, uh, the Packers and Cardinals are both 7-1, and one, and despite there being injuries galore on Thursday night, I think all of us are pretty excited about who's, who's still standing, left standing there in Green Bay and Arizona, Ryan. Yeah, it was a, obviously a really impressive win for the Packers without those three receivers. Um, for me, though, I'm, you know, I'm thinking about Aaron Jones, and... We're we're to mm-hmm. the midway point, or or I guess beyond, uh, depending on how you look at it of of the NFL season. Certainly past the midway point of the fantasy regular season, and uh, I know you guys are both Packers fans, so we haven't talked about this much uh, since the season started. But I'm starting to think about what's next for Aaron Rodgers. What's next for uh, maybe Devonte Adams as well, and if both of those guys are gone next year, as as was kind of the hint. Uh, in the off season, it feels like bad news for Aaron Jones. I, I don't even want to predict what that offense would look like, uh, but obviously it's very different than uh, what we're seeing right now. So 
I think now uh, is a good time to pivot off of Aaron Jones, if if possible. He had, uh, as you said, had a really good game on Thursday. Could have been better, but still going to end up as a certainly as an RB one for the week, a high end RB one. Uh, I, I think you have lots of pivot options if you want to move from him. Uh, Eckler, Zeke, Mixon, Antonio Gibson. If you want to gamble a little bit, lots of po- lots of possibilities if you're ready to move him, like I am. I think the conversation hinges around where you're at in your season, if you're a contender, uh, or if you think that maybe you're you're playing a little bit more for next season. Uh, most likely, if you have Jones, you're, you're probably at least a fringe playoff team, so you have a, a tough decision to make. I like the train of thought for sure, and, and honestly... It, it feels like we, we might overlook Matt LaFleur and the factor that what he brings brings to the table. He's a creative play caller. He gets his best football players the ball, typically. Like I think this is a pretty good indication of, of what you may be able to expect in the future if Rodgers moves on. They used Aaron Jones a lot. They were trying to get him the ball in creative ways. They had he and A.J. Dillon on the field at the same time. So while I don't dis, disregard your... You're, uh, you're, you're wanting to get rid of Jones or trade Jones and pivot to another running back or, or another player for that matter. I don't know if we need to hit any kind of panic button, uh, whether you're whether you're about to, to win a title or if you're going to be watching the playoffs from the sidelines. Matt, what are your thoughts on this backfield in Green Bay and, and you know, looking forward in the distance rather than the short term? Yeah, I mean... I feel like we're going to sound like the Packers homers here, Dan, but I side more with you than, than Ryan as well. Um, I just like, if you're a contender, like I, I, the usage is not scaring me. You know, people made a big deal last night. Al Dillon had one carry more than, or excuse me, on Thursday night, Al Dillon had one carry more than Jones. But, you know, if we look at the snaps is 48 to 29, uh, Jones had 11 targets. Dillon had zero, uh, you know, uh, last week, or excuse me, in week seven, 73% of the snaps went to Jones, 27% to Dillon over the last four games, 65 to 35. So for this season, at least, and I'm a contender, I'm keeping, uh, uh, Aaron Jones, I prefer him to maybe all of those guys that Ryan mentioned, except for uh, Austin Eckler, potentially. Um, but I think you have more injury concerns to worry with him. So I think I'm holding Pat on Jones. And like you said, next season, you know, I think he is going to be that safety valve option. Maybe this running game continues to evolve and we continue to see, uh, you know, Dylan, you know, grab a little bit more of it. And we might see that as the season goes on as well. You know, once we get into the, the cold weather months, maybe they use Dylan more in that grinder kind of role. But uh, for now, I'm, I'm happy to hold on Jones in, unless I can get you know, an equivalent player and maybe something on top of that, something that makes me want to do it. It has to be an offer that's going to make me want to, to move on from him. So, uh, yeah, I I'm not concerned about him the rest of the season. And, you know, the future is, is too far away, I think, to be concerned about right now for contending teams. There are there are a lot of pivots, and Ryan mentioned a handful of them. There's there's also the option to go across positions and try to yep. try to get an upgrade at wide receiver or even quarterback or tight end, depending on your settings. If you're in one of those super flex leagues or tight end premiums, Jones has that name that he packs a lot of punch. People want him on their rosters, and a lot of dynasty managers, despite how you know Ryan, I know you talk about it all the time. You need to be looking looking at the long term and the short term at the same time when we're in season that's not the case always we see many dynasty managers making week-to-week decisions rather than year-to-year or even three-year window type of decisions so 
it's certainly something worth looking into uh, if you have any concern because you might even get an upgrade because Jones is coming off the nice game. He had the the multi-touchdown games this year, and the Packers' offense looks to be set up to score some points down the stretch this season. The other notes from this game really come from the Packers' side. We could... We could probably talk a lot about Kyler Murray. He didn't throw a touchdown. He had a couple of mistake throws. He did run a little bit more. He doesn't look all that comfortable to me. I, I really do think he's injured. I don't think he's... They're not moving him around on the outside, those designed rollout passes like they have in the past. That points to, to something a little nagging with him. The DeAndre Hopkins injury is certainly concerning for the short term. Uh, the fact that he had to had to force his way back on the field in big instances late in that game doesn't bode well for what, what we're going to have for his availability. And then the other thing for the Cardinals is probably the James Conner usage. He gets the two touchdowns. Uh, Edmonds looks so much more dynamic and and uh, explosive in that out of that backfield. I wish they'd get him a few more touches. Robert Tunyon went out with an injury in this game. He's done for the year, guys. That's disappointing. Uh, but the one thing that came of it after that, it felt like Josiah Deguro was on the field all the time. After that, he did get a couple of targets, maybe. There's a chance that he's the pass-catching tight end. So not that you'd use him or anything, but but he'd be maybe rosterable in a in a 30-man roster league. Matt, you, you had one other pass-catcher for Green Bay that caught your eye. Yeah, it was nice to see Juwan Winfrey out there uh, doing doing getting some opportunities. Uh, had was second in the lead, uh, in the team in targets, I believe, just behind Aaron Jones. Caught four of six of them for thirty yards. Uh, he did have one uh, fumble that he was fortunate that he went out of bounds. But uh, you know, I think from he had he had a lot of talent coming out of college. He's got that NFL size, speed, and athleticism. I think to be an outside receiver uh, and is pretty good at, at the contested catches realm. So uh, he's somebody to think to look for. He did uh, lose snaps a little bit not necessarily lost snaps but he did have uh, second most wide receiver snaps behind eqsb so um you know i think he's still a depth piece but in those deep leagues like you just mentioned we're looking at um uh, uh deguara then i think winfrey is an option there too yeah we'll see how that kind of shakes out with that packers wide receiver core if adams is able to get back with the team this week we're not sure if that's going to happen course Lazard uh, was a was a close contact as well there'll be news of that this week if if these guys get back on the field sooner rather than later this those those names might not even be worth considering but if they're free and you have those deep rosters they're they're worth thinking about for sure let's talk about the Sunday games guys and, and we're going to start with the Panthers and the Falcons Carolina wins this one 19 to 13 and and to be honest guys it was a pretty boring game there wasn't a lot to talk about here Probably everything we need to cover here, Matt, is off the field with Calvin Ridley. There was the report going into the weekend that he wasn't going to be available, that that he was taking another week off. He made his statement during the game, it felt like, uh, the early games on Sunday as well, that he's going to take some time off. It, you know, everybody knows me as the Calvin Ridley truther. I will remain on that bandwagon until he's done playing football. It's disappointing to see as a, a, a fantasy player, of course, that one of your guys isn't out there. But, but this mental health thing, which, which apparently this is all surrounded, this is what's happening with, with Ridley. It's, it's nothing to mess with. No, and we certainly hope Ridley gets uh, what he needs to. 
um, you know, become a, a more a more healthy human being, like he put it with his statement on, on Twitter. And uh, I, I think from a from a fantasy standpoint and from a valuing him as an NFL wide receiver standpoint, nothing's going to change once he gets gets right. And we know how much, how important that mental health is. Um, but on the field, we did see Tajay Sharp kind of step in into his role. Uh, it wasn't really Russell Gage. It wasn't Z- uh, Zacchaeus. Uh, it wasn't even Kyle Pitts, even though we saw what he did the two previous weeks uh, for the Falcons. So um, he's somebody, I guess, you can look to pick up on uh, on on the waiver wire this week if we think that this is going to be a multi-week absence for, for really, and it kind of sounds like it is. Um, but uh, certainly a downgrade for the Atlanta passing offense in general. And, you know, I, I hope that I hope that this wasn't – I mean, I'm sure the team saw this coming, but maybe they didn't necessarily see it, it – it happening so uh, quickly for Ridley, so maybe they didn't have time to change up game plans. But I'm hoping that uh, we'll see more Pitts filling in as that primary alpha kind of receiver role in the future. It was interesting. Zacchaeus and Gage combined for just one target between the two of them. So that was a little bit of a surprise for those of us that pivoted to Gage as our final starter flex player. Uh, That certainly didn't work out as he gets shut out in this one. Ryan, was there anything in the game on the field that really caught your eye? I agree with Matt. I think Sharp is is worth an add. The uh, five catches for 58 yards in this game. Uh, The previous game that Ridley was out, uh, Sharp had four catches for 53 yards. Uh, So he he does look like the add there. I I was also surprised that uh, Gage was not more involved. and and same for Pitts. They couldn't get him going. Really, it, it felt like this Atlanta team had been trending in the right direction, uh, specifically on offense the past uh, two or three weeks. And uh, they, they just took a huge step back in this one, which was kind of disappointing. Uh, went back to Mike Davis kind of as the primary runner. Um, he actually not only saw more, uh, saw more rushing yards than – uh, Patterson, but also ran more routes. So uh, just just didn't feel like uh, things went Atlanta's way here. Uh, hopefully this will just kind of be a blip on the radar for uh, for Pitts, for Patterson, those, those guys that we've been counting on this season. Uh, Luckily, Patterson got in the end zone, though. Five catches, 37 yards, and a score. So he's not yeah. going to kill anybody. This week, the, you mentioned struggling. That Panthers offense doesn't look all that good either. Sam Darnold is, man, he's broken. Not, not the same guy as what he did the first few weeks. Uh, 13 of 24, 129 yards. I guess he had 66 rushing yards, so that created something. He's pretty much unusable moving forward. Chuba Hubbard, I guess he's the bright spot. 24 carries. 82 yards and a score, but wasn't really all that involved in the passing game. Just one catch for nine. Amir Abdullah, he's newly to the team, and he was a little more involved in the passing game. So that that Panthers offense is, is rough putting any of those guys in your lineup outside of maybe DJ Moore. They have the Patriots next week, followed by the Cardinals. So two tough defenses coming up for those Panthers uh, assets in your lineup. Let's talk to talk about the Bills and the Dolphins. Buffalo wins this one 26 to 11. Josh Allen 249 and 2 also added 55 yards and a rushing score. And man, Cole Beasley, once again, Matt, he leads the team in targets, leads the team in receptions. He goes 10 for 110 in this game. 
Yeah, I feel like we've talked about him a number of times as a cheap way to get access to double-digit targets and a good offense. And this is the third game this season that Beasley has had 13 targets, and he had another game with nine. So four of his seven games, he's had at least nine targets. And the other three games, he did only have eight combined in those three, which is obviously not great. But you know, two of those were in those blowout games uh, in week two, I believe, against Miami. It was 35 to zero, and uh, week four, 40 to zero in Houston. So you don't really need your your short area kind of guy. Uh, which is what Cole Beasley is um, in those kind of games. So I don't think we can necessarily hold those two against him. Uh, so again, I mean, I, I, if he somehow is on a team that isn't competing or is it one of those middle road teams and you can go and get him for a third round pick, I think that's an easy way. To, even if you only have him for the, the, the last you know half of the season, I think that's a worthy purchase if you're struggling to get some volume at your wide receiver position. Devontae Parker led the Dolphins in receptions. He goes 8 for 85 on 11 targets. I was watching this real closely. I'm sure most dynasty managers were. He he did take that target share away, but it mostly came from Mike Gusecki, guys. Gusecki goes 3 for 48 on 4 targets. Waddle still got 12 targets, that is, but only caught 4 of them for 29 yards. Pretty interesting stuff there, Ryan. Yeah, I was I was almost relieved to see Waddle uh, still get that volume share. He he and Gasecki had both been kind of trending up in recent weeks, along with uh, their quarterback Tua, in, in some nice matchups. I think everybody expected the Dolphins' offense to struggle in this one against uh, against a stronger opponent in Buffalo. So, uh, no surprise to see. Uh, you know, Tua with with a poor box score, etc. But um, yeah, to see Parker come in and and take that away from Gasecki, not Waddle, as you said, that that feels good for the long term. That does, and Gasecki's still a, uh, a guy we need to consider in our lineups every week. Uh, but but man, it it it's disheartening a little bit that that it takes such a big chunk away from him. We'll see what happens. Next week, the final note on this one, guys, Emmanuel Sanders, no catches in this ball game. four targets. He's one of them guys that if you're not contending and, and uh, you can get something for Emmanuel Sanders because he has had big games, you should probably do that right now. The 49ers, they beat the Bears on Sunday, 33-22. to Jimmy Garoppolo goes over 300 yards and has two rushing touchdowns. Man, I wish that could have been our... Our buddy back there under center for the 49ers. Uh, much rather see him than, than Garoppolo running the, with the football, but uh, th- there's more days for that. Elijah Mitchell has a big game, 18 for 137 and a score. Debo does his thing, 6 for 177 on nine targets. He can't find the end zone. I think everything we need to talk about here, Ryan, it revolves around the quarterback in Chicago, though, because there was one. Trey Lance didn't get on the field, but... But Justin Fields did, and they finally let him let him be Justin Fields. Yeah, we've we've been waiting for this, almost begging for this as as fantasy managers. I know uh, not just dynasty players, but redraft players were were counting on Fields to really show that upside. And it seemed like over the past couple of weeks, uh, they had started to give up on Fields. He enters this game with uh, a season high of. Just 13 fantasy points. Uh, a quarterback 18 was this best showing. And here we are uh, with a couple games left on the week. He's the quarterback four, scores over 25 fantasy points, over 100 rushing yards. This was the fields that we wanted to see, as you said. And um, I don't know. It's, it's going to be a big talking point and conversation this week 
is this just a coincidence that it came with Matt Nagy uh, not on the sideline? And, you know, I saw a lot of tweets of fire Matt Nagy. And, and uh, I mean, I thought Matt Nagy should have been fired months ago. So I'm, I'm totally on board with that. I don't know how much this this one game changes that. But uh, it does, I think, give us some hope for the future if we are still assuming Nagy is not there for the long term. Matt? Uh, yeah, I don't really have much to add. It was just nice to see him playing. He looked comfortable, like he wasn't being forced to do things that he knows he's not good at and, and you know, overthinking throws. And, uh, you know, some of the deep ball accuracy is still not quite what we thought we were going to get coming out of school, but that's going to come along. And then just the, the athleticism that we saw, the, there was a, I can't remember which quarter it was, but towards the end zone, Fields took off on a run and you just saw the burst, like him just separate from the defense. He didn't quite make it to the end zone. Uh, it got out of bounds before he could get uh, get uh, accept a big hit but uh it's clear that he has it they just need to let him do it yeah they need to let him improvise a little more he had a little bit more of that in this game he took a couple pretty tough sacks where he locked onto a a receiver yeah. and and he's done that a little bit but those are growing pains that we expect what we were waiting for was that one or two plays every game that we seem to get out of the elite quarterbacks when they're young where you say now that's it when we can we can harness that and do that a little more often games, then he's going to be a big-time dynasty player for us, and that's exactly what he did. There were a handful of plays, a couple of throws even, where he thought, that's the guy that I drafted high in my Superflex rookie draft. The other guy we need to talk about that was drafted high in lots of startups is Allen Robinson, guys. We, we talk about him almost every week, and it's always a, a, a disappointing tone in my voice when I say his stat line. This week, just three catches for 21 yards on four targets. He he was missed bad on a high ball in, in the middle where he's open. He dropped another pass that I noticed. Um, he's just not a big part of the offense. So we've seen some trades on Twitter. We've seen trades in our leagues as well. Allen Robinson, if he hits the trade uh, block for you, Ryan, first, are you interested and what are you willing to pay? I'm definitely for? interested. Uh, still, you know, trust his talent. Uh, I'm also still assuming he's not in Chicago uh, beyond this season, which I think is ultimately a good thing for him. Yeah, we need that in the terms of the trade. <laughs> Make sure he's not in Chicago. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm definitely not paying a first rounder for him. That is that is for sure. Right. Um, I, I, know, I know some are still willing to do that, not me. Um, so, so then once you move into second round territory, I don't know that very many dynasty managers with, with a Rob on their roster are, are that desperate to get rid of him that they're taking a second rounder. So now you're talking multiple second rounders or a second rounder and uh, most likely a, a young prospect that I'm willing to do, uh, willing to go more than a second, uh, maybe even two seconds. If, if it comes down to it, that feels like the sweet spot, the two second rounders, I saw a trade in one of my leagues that was Allen Robinson for Josh Jacobs. I didn't really mind that one. The Allen Robinson manager is, is looking, uh, the, the one who got Robinson is looking towards the future. So uh, to pivot over to wide receiver, that seemed okay. Um, I saw another one in a super flex where it was Tom Brady in a draft pick for Allen Robinson. And I kind of like that one as well. Matt, do you have any thoughts on Robinson and, and what you're doing with him if you have him on your roster or if you're looking at him on the trade block? 
I, I would like to move him, but my note on the agenda is he a roster clogger at this point because I don't know what our, our official definition is anymore, but he's a player that we can't start and most likely can't trade. Uh, you know, he's, like Ryan said, very few people are paying a first. If you can get that, absolutely, I'm taking that to get out. In terms of buying him, uh, I mean, if you can get him for a second and a third, I think I'm probably willing to do that. There is a trade in the trade finder from a couple of days ago, Rager, a second and a third for Robinson. I don't necessarily uh, mind that. Uh, Leonard Fournette and Hunter Henry for Robinson in a third. That one, I think, if you're contending, you might want to might want to stick on stick with Fournette. So uh, it's 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 tough. I I I don't really know what the answer is. I feel like we're going to have to hold and hope for the future. If you already have them, and if you're trying to buy them, like I, it's a second and third for me. That's about as high as I'm willing to go. So it feels like he's not going to have a lot of uh, movement. I like what you said there with the Rager and the second and the third. I think that's the yeah. type of trade you were probably talking about there, Ryan, where you're giving a second and a younger player. Are you doing that deal for Allen Robinson to add him to your team? Yeah, I'd pay I'd pay Rager in a second, for sure. Yeah, easily. I think I would, too. I, I like the idea of adding Robinson at kind of a low point. I, I feel like he's going to get back up to that first-plus uh, value. It might just take a year. I wonder how much of it, too. I mean, I have no idea. I haven't really watched Barry game, Bears games that closely this season. Uh, I, I watched today because I wanted to see how Fields was going to do without Nagy, but you know, I wonder how much of this Allen Robinson down, downturn is is just a, attitude from himself. You know, we've seen him in the past with bad quarterbacks. Not that Fields is a bad quarterback, uh, but with Blake Bortles way back in the day, we've seen him throw his hands up in the air like, "What what are you doing at all right now?" So I wonder if if you know he didn't want to get tagged, but they tagged him anyway. And then after they tagged him, they decided that they weren't really going to use him in the way that Allen Robinson needs to be used. So. Uh, if that's part of it, maybe it's like an Andy, uh, a Randy Moss in Oakland situation where he comes back and, and has a great rest of his career. Um, but I think that's what we have to hope for. I think that's what I am hoping for and I see coming, especially if he hits the open market, Ryan. He's going to be looking. For the, the, who's throwing him the ball might be the top top uh, want on his want list when he's when he's signing yeah, with it, a new team. Yeah, it's got to be, and and we kind of hoped he would be in this situation this past off season that he would be choosing a spot, and and of course we know that's not how it played out with the with the franchise tag. Uh, but it's also pretty clear that he won't be dealing with that again this off season. He will be uh, free to find a new team. And as far as being a roster clogger, I mean, I, I get why Matt would say that, but I mean, when I think of roster clogger, I'm still thinking long-term meaning you're never going to have the chance to start this guy again. Uh, and I, I don't think that's the case with, uh, with Allen Robinson. The good thing about him, we see so many players who are off to slow starts this year, their price is not coming down in a lot of cases. I mean, go try to buy Antonio Gibson or, or someone like that. The price is not a, not a ton different than it was to start the season. Uh, A-Rob's definitely is. His price is dropping quickly. For sure. Let's talk about the Steelers and the Browns. Pittsburgh comes out on top here, 15-10. to 10. Ben Roethlisberger goes for 266. And a score, Najee Harris was good, 26 for 91 and a touchdown. Also added three for 29. Deontay Johnson, six for 98 on 13 targets. The the thing that grabbed my attention here in this one, guys, was it was Pat Fryermuth. I think there was a lot of maybe expectations coming into the week. Eric Ebron was going to be out. We were going to get the chance to see him on the field without Ebron for the first time, really. And he didn't disappoint, at least not not all that much. He catches the, 
He catches the touchdown, has four catches for 44 yards on seven targets. It was an athletic play for the score, um, showing a little bit of his upside. Ryan, you watched this game closely as well. Deontay Johnson caught your eye. Uh, De- I mean, Deontay Johnson always catches my eye, and he al- he always yeah. catches a lot of uh, a lot of balls and, and sees a ton of targets as well. Uh, Thirteen targets. He leads all wide receivers or all 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 players actually with the most double digit target games over the past two seasons. Considering mm. he he missed a little bit of time last year, considering the competition that he deals with on that uh, on that Steelers team, I, I think that's. Uh, obviously very impressive and and he just continues to put up those types of numbers. I was, I was, uh, I I liked what I saw from Friar Muth as well Uh, with Ebron out of the lineup. I think this is just, just a sign of the future. Yeah. Just waiting for him to, to get his opportunity week in and week out like that. And we're looking at a future tight end one. Uh, But when when Ebron's back, it's going to be tough putting him in your lineup with any amount of confidence for the, for the Browns. Uh, Ryan Dearness Johnson got a little bit of love. He, he got a red zone carry and turned it into an 11 yard, impressive 11 yard touchdown run. He goes four for 22 and a score also catches a pass. And then Chubb, he, he got more work for sure. 16 for 61 on the ground and the one catch for eight. What do you think of that? Cleveland Browns backfield. Yeah, I wondered. Uh, that was one thing I was watching with this game with Chubb back. Uh, what kind of usage would Dearness Johnson get uh, after that big game on on Thursday in week uh, in week seven? And of course, with Hunt out, um, Johnson still still had a role, as you said. Got the touchdown. Ran the same number of routes as Nick Chubb, which is. You know, probably says more about Chubb than it does about Dearness, but um, I think at least until Hunt comes back, we can use uh, we can use Dearness Johnson as a flex option. Yeah, it certainly looks that way, um, Matt. You, what do we do with Nick Chubb? He's just not a pass catcher out of this in this offense, and it's maddening, especially in PPR leagues. What what are we what are we looking for long term when it comes to Chubb? I think it's this is this is what it is. I mean, this was I think this was the game that things came together for this to be a game where where Chubb was going to get some receiving volume and he came out and got one target. Hunt is gone. Uh, obviously, Felton is going to get some work, but he only got one target. Dennis Johnson with three targets. And with the Steelers defense and that pass rush, you would think that part of the game plan would have been to get short passes out to uh, some of these running backs. And, and you know, the, obviously, Jarvis Landry is very good at that and read, led the receivers in both targets and receptions uh, doing, do, doing that kind of role. But you would have thought there would have been a little bit more for Chubb there. Uh, so I just think this is what it is. He's he's like, a, you know, a, a a less explosive. I, I hate to say it because he's such a good running back, right? But he, but like production wise for fantasy, he's basically like a worse version of Derrick Henry, and Derrick Henry is catching more balls than him. So, uh, you know, prior, to, correct me if I'm wrong, Ryan. It might even be true right now that he a Chubb is going ahead of Derrick Henry, uh, and maybe that's age, maybe it's usage, maybe it's you know perceived how how good Chubb can be, uh, but it's not really working out that way. So. Uh, he's he's concerning long term for me because he's it, it's just I just don't think he's ever going to get that passing game work even though I do think he's capable of being that receiver. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I was going to say Chubb feels like Derrick Henry with less explosiveness, as you said, and with more competition. Right? It's it's Hunt there, even when Hunt's out. Now we see. Um, 
we, we see that basically this journeyman that we didn't know who he was two or three weeks ago. Now he has a, not a significant role, but at least enough of a role that we shouldn't compare Chubb, Chubb to Derrick Henry anymore. So yeah, he, he is what he is. He's, he's just outside of that RB one range for me. And like you said, it, it's kind of, it almost feels like a knock because if you step away from the fantasy side of things, a lot of people will say he's the most talented runner in the league. And I don't know, maybe that's true, but it, it doesn't always translate to fantasy. It certainly doesn't. Week in and week out, I, I seem to look at that. Even when he has a big game, it feels like, yeah, but he didn't get that that sweetener on top, those three catches for 26 yards and maybe a score a couple times a season. Uh, the last thing we should talk about here, Ryan, is is OBJ. Oh. There's there's a handful. There's still a handful of people out there that love OBJ in Dynasty. Can you talk him off the ledge I, I, there? I wish. I, I don't even know what to say. He gets one target. One target in this <laughs> I game. Know what to say. Um, <laughs> I, I've seen some, and this has really been happening for a year now. Some calling for uh, him to be traded. Like what NFL team would want him? He doesn't produce. He's he's got a history of having an attitude problem. He's got a big contract. Like, like what's appealing about that? And he said, and, and he said that he isn't really loving football right now. He said that, said that publicly. I mean, I, I would trade him right now for Donovan people's Jones, trade OBJ for DPJ. Just, just do it. Oh, it's, <laughs> it's gross. It, it, he, he's a shell of what he was at, at his, in his prime in New York. And, and it's sad because he, he went up, on Sunday for a, like a deep over route, went up one-handed, and the the throw was high. He probably could have gone up with two hands, but it was like it was like if if uh, your most most athletic buddy tried to do a, a an OBJ impression. That's what it looked like to me, uh, and it was sad. The li- speak, speaking of sad, the the Lions lost uh, forty four to six. A lot of people that are really smart guys said coming into this game this is the lions win this is the one they're gonna win the eagles uh they won't be able to handle the lions because they work so hard not the case uh jalen hurts was not very good once again 103 uh through the air no touchdowns no picks 71 rushing yards he will finish the week outside of the top 12 quarterbacks for the first time this year and then Guys, Miles Sanders needs the Boston Scott and Jordan Howard treatment. He didn't get it for the first seven weeks. Now Boston Scott gets 12 for 60 and two scores. Jordan Howard gets 12 for 57 and two scores. That's what we need for Miles Sanders, Ryan. And we can't get it. Uh, it would be nice. I'm, in some ways, it, it is encouraging for Miles Sanders, I guess you could say, uh, because they were giving those those uh, red zone and and – really even goal line looks to running backs rather than uh, rather than hurts taking them himself. Uh, but it was still basically a three man committee. Scott gets 12 Howard gets 12 carries, as you said, and, and Kenny Gainwell gets 13. So even when Sanders comes back, it's, it's not like we can assign all of that usage to him. I think it's still going to be frustrating to put him in your lineup in, in two or three weeks when he's back. It was weird. The Scott and Howard got all that work through the first three quarters, and then they like they must have decided, let's get the young guy in there. We're up big. We'll give it to Gainwell a dozen times here in the fourth quarter. That's what it looked like. 
from a distance. And Gainwell, I saw seven or eight of those carries. He did not look explosive. But it was it was weird to watch because Howard and Scott looked so much better. Um, for the rest of Philadelphia's stat lines, Dallas Goddard, six for 72 on seven targets. That was fine. Devontae Smith, just one catch for 15. That stinks. Matt, are there any takeaways for the Lions? I guess TJ Hawkinson was good, 10 for 89 on 11 targets. Swift was disappointing, 12 for 27 on the ground and just five catches for 24 in the air. Yeah, and not enough work on in the air and not enough uh not enough usage on the ground, I guess. Not not good enough on the ground either. But the takeaway for me was are the Lions going to be the first t- team to go 0 and 17, I guess 0 and 16 or 0 and 17, uh, go with go winless because this schedule, I mean, the Steelers, the Browns, the Bears, the Vikings, the Broncos, the Cardinals, the Falcons uh, maybe, then the Seahawks and the Packers. Like that's it. Like which which of these teams they beat? It's going to have to be one of these trap games that we just are not expecting at all. We know the Steelers play down to competition sometimes, but it just feels really difficult at this point to see uh the Lions getting a win this year, which is not not great for that organization, I guess. Yeah, that this might have been it. This might have been the shot, and they got blown out forty-four to six. It was gross. Uh, speaking of blowouts, the Rams were up by like five touchdowns at one point. They end up winning thirty-eight to twenty-two. Stafford goes for over three hundred, throws three touchdowns. Daryl Henderson scored twice in the game and ninety-three uh, yards from scrimmage. Matt Cooper Cup was awesome, 7 for 115 in a score. Robert Woods was really good, 3 for 35 in a score, plus a rushing touchdown. Like, if you started a Ram, uh, you were probably pretty happy. Even Van Jefferson got in on the action. I guess I guess you're disappointed in Higby, just 3 for 25 on three targets. I don't know if there's a lot of things that we can talk about with the uh, Rams that we haven't already, Ryan, but... You know, there has been a little bit of conversation, especially in the redraft community, about Cooper Cup and can he keep this up for an entire season? Can he really be this dominant? And I just don't see him slowing down. It doesn't seem like he's going to anytime soon. Uh, coming into this game, he was on pace to um, to set the all-time record for fantasy points by a wide receiver. Uh, I, I guess with the 17 games, he technically still is. Uh, he, ha- he now has 214 fantasy points through eight games. Uh, only Torrey Holt had more uh, ever through the first eight games. So uh, with with that extra game, Cup is, is still on pace, as I said. But I mean, just looking at some of the numbers, he has 63 receptions uh, through eight games. Only 12 wide receivers have done that in NFL history. He has 924 yards. Only 16 wide receivers have hit that mark. He has 10 touchdowns. Only 17 wide receivers have done that. And uh, all of those numbers combined is is what puts him on that record pace fantasy-wise. But it's also what gives me so much confidence in him moving forward is the balance across his uh, his stat line. You know, it's not just like he has an unreal number of catches, but the yardage and the touchdowns are not there or, or any other example you would want to pick from that. It's, it's balance across the line, and uh, that's – Again, that's what tells me we can count on him continuing this for the rest of the season. Yeah, the rest of the season and maybe beyond. Of course, we all know that the coaching staff is locked in. Stafford's locked in now. And he and he and Cup are just best buds off on and off the field. It's, it's unreal what we're seeing there. For Houston, uh, maybe a couple notes. First, Ryan, 
that backfield, they, they move Ingram off the team, and, and a few of us might think to ourselves, hey, maybe Lindsley, who this coaching staff brought in, maybe maybe Lindsay gets in, involved and gets his. Maybe it's Johnson who, who's more involved, and I know they got blown out, but they didn't even try, and when they did get down there, they gave the ball to Rex Burkhead. Yeah, I mean, the team is is destined or, or, or I don't know, just, just locked in some type of four main committee. They got, uh, I believe it's Scotty Phillips, the second year guy involved as well. So all four of those guys saw touches. I think at this point we were talking roster cloggers, Lindsay and, and David Johnson are roster cloggers, no trade value. You cannot start them, get them off your roster and hope somebody else picks them up. And wasn't there a news blurb about them going to feature David Johnson this past week? Like yeah. two carries, that's that's featuring. So I mean, I mean they get it's... they get all these running backs involved. They've had three or four guys seeing touches every week, but none of them are producing uh, across the entire uh, group of running backs. Their best fantasy finish on the season is running back eighteen, and that was Mark Ingram in week one when he saw when he had all those carries. <laughs> so they have not had a top seventeen running back week at all the entire season that's insane <laughs> that's that's ridiculous really and i know they're not good it's it's crazy guys houston has a win on the season and the lions don't you know geez they're they're really bad there was a point in the game where i'm, I'm still forced to put brandon cooks in my lineup in a couple spots because of injuries and buys and all that stuff so i look at my stat, stat line in the in the late middle of the fourth quarter, and it's one catch for 10 yards. And then he, he catches like four or five balls in a row and a touchdown, ends up six for 83 and one. Uh, man, that he, I do not want to start him anytime soon. And if he stays in Houston, he, I think he's a trade target, a guy you'd want to trade away if you can get any kind of value for him. I, I'm not sure that you can. The final note on this game, uh, Brevin Jordan, he was active for the first time on in his rookie season. Uh, on Sunday against Los Angeles, and he catches three balls for 41 yards and a touchdown on four targets. Matt- I got a question. I, I did not watch this game very closely. I don't know if either either of you did, but was this Davis Mills' performance? I mean, he's been better for fantasy than we ever could have imagined at this point. But was this all just garbage time production? And, you know, not not a bad stat line. Uh, you know, pretty good completion percentage and two touchdowns there in 300 yards. So I wonder it, uh, what yeah, that looked like. Yeah, it was like. all garbage time. They. Okay. Yeah, they were down. Um, That's what they I were figured, down thirty-eight seven sure. early in the fourth. Uh, the Rams basically pulled all their starters. Uh, Houston and played that yeah. umbrella coverage yeah. on yeah. top yeah. of yeah. it. Okay. Houston right. scored <laughs> and recovered an onside kick and scored again. And yeah, so gar- all garbage time. So nothing. Nothing. Yeah, maybe this, nothing is, to maybe see this is the week where you, if you got Mills, you you go look for the guy who didn't watch this game. And, go get the second and, round and pick. try to get anything. Get a second rounder for him. <laughs> well, Tyrod Ty coming back next um, week too. It sounds like. Yeah, yeah, that's gonna yeah. that's gonna that's uh, pour some cold water on that. The Titans beat the Colts in overtime, thirty-four to thirty-one, and it was all about AJ Brown, guys. There were a couple weeks ago we were like, "Man, he's always dinged up." It, we were having those conversations: who's the wide receiver one? You know, Jamar Chase was putting up all these numbers, and of course Jefferson and the rest of those receivers, Ryan and AJ Brown just kind of said, "Hey, look at me, guys. Remember me? The last couple weeks, he's just lit it up on Sunday against a, a decent Colts defense." 10 catches, 155 yards, and a touchdown on 11 targets. He is so dominant, so physical, so fast. He's like T.O. out there. He's, he's, he's so good. I think, I think we, we, 
we can't forget about him when we're talking about the overall wide receiver. Yeah, it was a few weeks ago. I I mentioned on Twitter that there were so many uh, wide receivers that could be considered the wide receiver one. I listed them off. Jefferson, Lamb, Metcalf, Adams, Chase, Tyreek Hill, and A.J. Brown. And I got so much pushback for including A.J. Brown in that group. And it's, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just a reminder not to say, I'm right or, or anything like that, but it's just a reminder that we're, we're so fickle and short-sighted as dynasty players. Once the season starts, uh, if you, if you traded for AJ Brown two or three or four weeks ago, you probably got a great deal. Yeah. You, you won that trade. And if you lost it, I don't know how you did it. <laughs> That's going to be pretty, pretty hard to do. Um, from the Colts side of things, Michael Pittman has really been a revelation for many as well. Another dominating game, 10 catches, 86 yards, and two early touchdowns on 15 targets. He was just he was just peppered by targets from Carson Wentz, and it, it was almost a negative. He threw the pick uh, in overtime, uh, forced, forced the ball into Pittman. Ryan, is there, you know, I, I know you and I have a couple teams together. We have Pittman on teams together, and there was a time where he was one of the last people, last players we'd put in our starting lineup when we were picking the ten guys. Now he's a lock every single week, and we're expecting this type of performance. Yeah, you look at the past uh, four weeks or past four games: wide receiver fourteen, wide receiver eight. He's the wide receiver two entering Sunday Night Football this week. Um, so, uh, I mean, obviously trending up, we saw T Y Hilton, uh, back in this game and suffer, uh, unfortunately, another injury that, uh, looked a little scary considering his, uh, neck surgery that he underwent, uh, just, just a few weeks ago. I mean, this is, there, there's no question. This is Michael Pittman's team, uh, when it comes to the wide receiver position. The Colts sold out to stop Derrick Henry in this game. Henry had 28 carries for 68 yards. And the Titans just took advantage. Play action perfectly, hitting A.J. Brown behind the linebackers on those like 10 and 12-yard out routes, uh, just t- toe-tapping the sideline. It was it was magical. That offense, when it's humming, and they didn't even need Derrick Henry to really be rolling to do it. The threat of Derrick Henry created those one-on-one options uh, or opportunities for A.J. Brown, and he just capitalized. And you know we're going to expect that moving forward. Pittman, on the other hand, a lot of a lot of the same, really. They were afraid of Taylor. Taylor gets 16 for 70 in a score, also catches a few passes. But Pittman is finding those spaces in the secondary because of the threat of Jonathan Taylor running the football. So two good teams here, really. I know Indianapolis is 3-5. and five. I like the way they're built, and I, I really like that offense. How about the Jets? They they get the win. They uh, they get their second win of the season, beating the Bengals. The five and two Bengals go down thirty four to thirty one. And Matt, you started Mike White in uh, <laughs> in a league this week, and I shook my head at you before the game, and I shook my head at, at, at you after because he throws for four hundred yards and three touchdowns and carries you to a steal in a vampire league. Yeah. I hate you, man. Yeah, he uh highest scoring t- player on my team, and uh, I think I scored the most points in the entire league this week. We still have Monday night and Sunday night to go, but uh, it's looking that way, and uh, I was feeling the same way at first. I think he started out with like some number of like 30 yards and two interceptions. I was like, oh, I probably should have just thrown literally anybody else in the lineup, but... Uh, <laughs> 
it uh, somehow worked out, and uh, the league decided to let me get him for free, basically on waivers this week. So, um, yeah, I'm not obviously not looking forward to starting him ever again. You know, hopefully Zach Wilson comes back uh, and and can resume this as the starter role. But it's uh, Mike White's not making it easy for him, right? Uh, Got to win against a, a team that we've been very excited about uh, in in recent weeks and really all season with a with a rookie, certain rookie wide receiver Dan that uh, had his absolute worst game of the season. Yeah, Jamar Chase, worst game of his career. Just thirteen point one fantasy Dang, points. If that's the floor. We're okay. If thirteen is the floor, <laughs> I think we're going to be all right. I thought it was hilarious. I just looked up his stat line in one of my leagues and thought to myself, "Holy cow, that's his worst game ever!" And uh, he he had three for thirty two and a touchdown on nine targets and dropped a touchdown in the game. So uh, Chase, man, he he's so good even when he's bad. Ryan, uh, another rookie that was so good on Sunday was Michael Carter. 15 carries, 77 yards, and a touchdown. They caught nine passes for 95 yards. They finally handed the keys to the offense, or at least of that backfield, to Michael Carter. And he... Clearly his best game of the season after a pretty good one last Yeah, it had been trending this way for a while, really slowly all season, that, that Carter was taking over that backfield. I also think this has a lot to do with uh, with that quarterback, Mike White. Uh, White has targeted running backs Carter and, and Ty Johnson as well uh, on over 40% of his throws the past two games. The, the time he played last week and taking over for Wilson plus this start. Um, so as, as long as Mike White is in there, that's, that's good news for Carter. But uh, I do like Carter uh, long-term regardless. And uh, our buddy Ken Kelly, who filled in for me last week, pointed out on Twitter that Carter has scored double-digit fantasy points now in five of his past six games. So he's the RB1 going into Sunday night. We'll see if he hangs on to that or if, if Cook or Zeke or, or one of these guys can take it away from him. Uh, don't expect RB1 numbers, but uh, he's, he's a solid RB2 flex type moving forward. I was pretty critical of Michael Carter in the rookie report card last week. I, I wasn't I'm, I wasn't a real big fan of Michael Carter coming out of North Carolina. I thought he was a he's a fill-in player, a guy like Giovanni Bernard is who I always see when I when I watch Michael Carter and and you know maybe that's just uh the easy comparison because both of them went to UNC and you know there's there's so many uh, just real easy comparisons when it comes to the two. And then you already know that Gio, it just never quite worked out for him. Uh, he certainly looked good, though, Michael Carter, on Sunday against Cincinnati. Uh, he was pretty explosive, both as a runner and a pass catcher, and it turned out to be a lot of fantasy points for dynasty managers. For the Bengals in this game, Joe Burrow throws the three touchdowns. Mixon finds Paydirt a couple times, one through the air and one on the ground also reaches 90 total yards. And then I mentioned Chase's line. T Higgins was good too. Four for 97. Tyler Boyd even, even found Pater at five catches, 69 yards and a score. So if you started somebody in this game, you're probably pretty happy with how it turned out. New England and the Chargers faced off. The Patriots win this one 27 to 24. Damian Harris, 23 carries, 80 yards and a score. I don't know if there's a whole lot to talk about here when it comes to the Patriots, Matt. That you know, I looked through that box score, I watched most, if not all, of that football game, and just like every single week, you you look at the stats after the after the game, and there's just outside of Damian Harris, he's the only guy that you're you're super excited about. After that, you got to hang your hat on like Hunter Henry, who went one for thirty three on three targets. 
Yeah, and uh, I don't know. I it, it, I wrote this note down before the game ended, but I wrote down that uh, Belichick has Herbert's number because I don't know if you remember last year's game against the Patriots, but yeah. Herbert got blown out forty-five to zero under fifty percent completion. You know, he had, had this amazing rookie season going, and then Belichick said, uh, "You know, sit down." And today, again, when I wrote that note, it was no touch. I think it was one touchdown and two interceptions, but again, just just barely over fifty percent today, two twenty-three, and then he got that late uh, late touchdown there to kind of close the gap uh, but it was not a, a great game for Herbert so I don't know if there's really much to take away from this obviously next year when they if they play the Patriots uh, you're probably still going to start Justin Herbert but something to note yeah some of those disappointments that we talked about in the lead today came in this game of course one of one of the big ones Mike Williams just two catches for 19 yards on five targets I thought this was an opportunity for him to have a big game you know above the rim those high throws with Herbert and that, that secondary and and he got a couple of those opportunities didn't turn it into well, we, all that much we know that Belichick takes away one one player every single game and it was yeah, clearly I, thought it'd be Keenan Allen. I did too but it was clear it was Mike Williams pretty early they had him bracketed on number of throws right that that was their focus Allen goes six for 77 and a score Eckler was fine as well. 11 carries for 64 yards and a touchdown. Caught six passes for 60 yards. Uh, Before we get to the last few games here, guys, we should talk about our friends over at Monkey Knife Fight, the daily fantasy sports site for the rest of us. Even if you've played DFS in the past, your experience with Monkey Knife Fight will feel completely different. No more competing against professional players or working through time-consuming salary caps. With Monkey Knife Fight, you choose from unique easy-to-play games, including the popular More or Less contest, where you can bet on if your favorite NFL player will have more or less yards than predicted. You can also play fun games in the other major sports, as well as golf, UFC, NASCAR, and more. Sign up for a new account with Monkey Knife Fight with a first-time deposit and receive a full year of DLF premium for free. In addition, Monkey Knife Fight will match the deposit total up to $100, with the promo code DLF. That's it. That's all you have to do. Your DLF subscription will be set up within hours and you're, you'll you'll have access to everything DLF has to offer. So go log on to DynastyLeagueFootball.com, click the image for Monkey Knife Fight, and follow the instructions to get started today. Uh, Seahawks beat the Jaguars 31-7. to Geno Smith was good, 195-2, and added a rushing touchdown. Tyler Lockett, the most inconsistent wide receiver in fantasy, 12 catches for 142 yards on 13 targets. There are dynasty managers everywhere that sat Tyler <laughs> Lockett because he, he put up so many zero burgers over the last few weeks, and he catches 12 in this one for 142. And DK, he was awesome once again, 6 for 43 and 2. That catch in the front corner of the end zone for that touchdown, that's one of the best ones you'll see all year. There's only a couple players that can make that kind of catch, and DK made it look so easy. Uh, Ryan, if, if there's anything from this game on the Jacksonville side of things that is worth talking about, maybe it's, maybe it's Jamal Agnew. I, I think it's Jamal Agnew. So this is, this is three straight okay. games for Agnew with double digit fantasy points. Of course that coincides with, uh, DJ Chark, uh, his season, unfortunately ending Agnew is definitely the player 
who is is taking advantage of that. And this is a guy who really just learned the wide receiver position. A, a former cornerback when he was in, uh, I believe, Detroit, moves over to Jacksonville, uh, basically teaches himself the wide receiver position. And, and now when, when opportunity knocks, he is taking advantage. Uh, 26 years old. This guy needs to be on a, on a roster in every single dynasty league. Yeah, and he's a free agent in many leagues. He was picked up this week in, in probably a handful of them, but he's on your waiver wire most likely. And at this point in the season, if you're if you have to use a priority, if you have to have to bid on the player, there's a there's at least a chance that Jamal Agnew is a long term option. So he's a guy that that we're not picking up for a couple of spot starts. There's a chance he's way more than that. Guys, James Robinson left this game with an ankle injury. He collided with a cabinet on the sideline, turns his ankle, and doesn't come back in the game. That's the most Jaguars thing to ever happen. Four carries, 22 yards, one catch for 17, and things just fell apart after that for that offense. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, 238 and a touchdown. Dan Arnold caught eight passes for 68 yards. Maybe we can use him as a back-end tight end one at some point this year, and then Marvin Jones finally caught a few balls at the end of the game. Five catches, 35 yards. Uh, how about Washington and Denver? The Broncos somehow win this game, 17-10. to 10. They tried to give it away late in the game. Melvin Gordon, they get the ball. They, they start throwing the ball late in the game and not forcing the timeouts to be used inside a minute. Gordon fumbles, gives Washington the ball at the 30, and, and Washington couldn't even move it. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater, 213 and a score. Gordon scored a couple of times, one through the air and one on the ground. Um, I, I guess from for Washington guys, uh, J.D. McKissick, he caught eight passes for 83. Antonio Gibson, eight carries for 34 and three catches. And then it was interesting, Jarrett Patterson, he kind of mixed in on, on Sunday, Ryan. He carries 11 times for 46 yards. What are your thoughts on Patterson? He's... He's pretty much just a long-term hold, right? Yeah, I think so. Um, it's it's really just been dif- uh, difficult and and frustrating to figure out how Washington is using these these running backs. It really feels like Antonio Gibson should be sitting right now, and they continue to trot him out. Mm-hmm. He has not been effective. Uh, I, I would have preferred, and, and probably a lot of people would have preferred, uh, just to see what see what you have in Patterson. Let Gibson heal up. Even if it's the rest of the season, this team is not very good. Um, so, but yeah, certainly like Patterson as a as a dynasty stash. Uh, are you buying him at market price right now? I think he's one of those guys that's tough to buy. I mean, what what are you paying that makes it worth giving up the the lottery ticket? Right? I mean, I don't think anybody's giving a second for him, and why? Why give him up for a third? I, I guess it's kind of how I see it. I think. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, okay. I mean sorry. Sorry. Are you paying uh, market for Gibson? As I kind of said earlier, I don't, from what I've seen, at least the price hasn't dropped much. I, I, I do still believe in him long-term. Uh, but in, until that price changes, I, I'm, you can't buy. I, 
I think I think it has in some leagues. <laughs> you know, going to the trade finder, a single first round pick in, in 2023, Van Jefferson oh. in a 2023 first for Gibson, a third and a fourth. Uh, so Gibson for it looks like the entire draft class, a first, second, third, and fourth in in 2022, mm. which is probably from a one of my favorite team, moves. So like that seems like a reasonable <laughs> price. Yeah, because it looks great. Because you have oh look at all of these picks you're getting, and really none of them are really worth it's anything. The Ricky Williams <laughs> move. Know, so. absolutely so i mean yeah i recommend it everybody go out and send that offer to your league mate this week and see if you can steal antonio gibson and it keeps going brian edwards in a 2022 first for gibson i mean like i don't know if this is is this i mean the three of us play in in mostly very sharp leagues right so it's probably not happening in those leagues but in some leagues it's clearly working and and some of these leagues are are safe leagues run by uh ryan and, and our buddy scott fish so these are not um, necessarily just uh, 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 trades that are happening that with pit, with with assets that we don't know what they are. These are happening in actual leagues that people are playing in. Yeah, uh, you know, a lot of these home leagues, I play in a couple of them as well. There are dynasty managers that think you can get an elite running back or even a high-end running back or running back one for a single first-round pick, and it just makes you shake your head when those trades happen. Apparently, they do. So if you're in a home league, go send those offers right now. Uh, the last game we need to talk about, guys, is the Saints and the Buccaneers. little bit of a surprise here. Saints win 36-27 to despite losing... Jameis Winston in the game, Ryan, to what looked like a relatively serious injury. Yeah, sounds like that's going to be an ACL injury for Jameis Winston. Uh, Sean Payton called it a serious injury after the game, didn't want to comment any further, and then uh, some some beat reporters have um, leaked the word that it is an ACL, maybe even some MCL damage there as well. So uh, if if that's the case... That we unfortunately have to assume Winston's season is over. Um, Taysom Hill is is out with that um, concussion, so we'll see. That also seemed like a, a pretty serious injury um, on on that scale. I don't know when he's due back. Uh, I mean, Trevor Simeon was was pretty solid in in uh, in, in relief of Winston. So was Geno Smith when he came in. That's true. That's ago. true. Don't, don't <laughs> want to bank on Trevor Simeon. I mean, this was an this was an offense that was already trying to to basically hide their quarterback. Right? They they didn't want mm-hmm. uh, mistakes to be made from the quarterback position. And if you're trying to hide Jameis Winston in your offense, you're certainly going to try to hide uh, Trevor Simeon. So, I, I mean, if you were banking on Michael Thomas coming back or or I don't know. There's really, you know, Marquez Callaway. We're not really counting on these guys anyway. So I don't know. Sadly, I don't know how much it matters. I, for one, am looking forward to starting both Mike White and Trevor Simeon and Superflex next week in the same league. Okay. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> right, Enjoy we'll that. see how that goes. Uh, you know, I wonder how it's going to affect sure. Elvin Kamara. He wasn't all that involved as a pass catcher in this game. Just three catches for 15 yards. He got his as a runner. Uh, 19 carries, 61 yards, and a touchdown. So he was fine. But now that Mark Ingram's there, he got a little bit of a workload. Six carries in just his first game, just a few days after getting acquired. Also caught two passes. I'll be watching, interestingly, uh, at Elvin Elvin Kamara and see what he does. For the Buccaneers, Brady threw for almost 500 yards and four touchdowns. But they were trying to come back for most of this game. Chris Godwin was a monster. Eight for 140 and a score on 11 targets. Mike Evans, he caught a deep touchdown, two for 48, and that score. 
Matt, what are you doing with Mike Evans? Still buying, man. He, he's still he's still very very cheap. Brandon Ayuk straight up for Mike Evans. I mean, it's it, it's all over the place. If you have a fir- if a late first burning your hole in the po- hole in your pocket and you need some wide receiver production, I mean, is is Mike Evans the best buy you can do for a single first? I think that gets it done. Yeah, I think you pro- you probably get him in some leagues, but I would aim a little bit higher. But I'm the for a single late Evans first. Hater. Yeah, you know, I'd aim a little bit higher. I don't like guys that that like give up on the ball and like the <laughs> one catch for one yard routine. Only thing that matters is the points. Names don't score points, Dan. Production scores points. <laughs> uh, Leonard Fournette was a little bit of a disappointment in this one after being so great uh, for so long. Eight carries for just twenty six yards as they were playing from behind and only caught three passes. He could be a trade target for those that are contending and, and trying to add a, a little bit of running back depth, especially in those leagues where you have to start two every week. Guys, we got through it. That's eight weeks in the book books already. We're, as Ryan said earlier, pretty much halfway through the NFL season. We're, we're more than halfway through the fantasy schedule. Um, a lot of work yet to be done. You better be deciding if you're a contender or not. We're going to be highlighting some of the guys we're trying to sell and some of the guys we're trying to buy next week because those trade deadlines are right around the corner. For Ryan and Matt, I am Dan. Thanks for listening to this episode of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. We'll catch you again next week.